0: The following is presented to you by Maranatha Bible Church of Comstock Park, Michigan. For more information, go to mbcmi.org.
1: It's good to see everybody. Good to be here this morning. Wonderful, wonderful message. If you're wondering what class you're supposed to be in, this is a class on um, fearing God. Um, The title on your notes will say, Fearing God Rather Than Man. That's the title of the, of the five week course. But before we get started, let me pray. Give other people a few minutes to come in. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to continue um, learning from your word. I pray that as we um, study what it means to truly um, fear God and not man, you would help us to uh, draw closer to you that we would have a rich uh, love for you that's just um, overwhelming. Uh, We thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, preserving it for us through the years. uh, Using godly uh, individuals to articulate various truths from your word. We're thankful for that. And I pray that we would be faithful as well to uh, staying close to your word, Lord. And desiring to honor you as we teach it, as we learn. That we would be doers of your word. Not those who just hear your word and say, oh, that's nice, and and walk away, but that we would truly desire to uh, put your word into practice, truly desire to be sanctified in the truth. And you tell us that your word is truth. Thank you for that. Pray now that this class would be honoring to you, that the conversation would be edifying, that you'd be glorified through it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, what? That was a long prayer. Oh, sorry. (laughs) So uh, just to give you guys some recommended books before we get started in our class, uh, one of the primary resources I used as I was studying for this was is called When People Are Big and God is Small by Ed Welch. It's a great, great resource. I want to pick that one up. Another one is, and I'll leave them up here, you can look at them later, The Joy of Fearing God by Jerry Bridges. That's a great resource as well you may want to pick up. And then a couple other ones that you might say, well, that's not really about fearing God, but, but actually it is. Uh, one by R.C. Sproul called The Holiness of God. Uh, the greater understanding you have of the holiness of God, the greater and healthy fear of God you'll have. So I would highly recommend this one by R.C. Sproul. Another one that's a good one as well is by C.J. Mahaney. I know there's some maybe some issues with him, but the book is called Humility uh, True uh, Greatness. I think it's a good book. So, those are the resources I would recommend. Now, as we talk about the fear of God and the fear of man, today we're going to essentially just do an overview of the fear of man. And I, I was thinking of some examples of when I feared, you know, big time. I had a fear of man. I remember. When I had first, the first time I saw my wife Kim, I was 19, she was 16, and she actually liked my friend, and um, so I, with the first time we went to go see her was at the mall, and he was talking to her the whole time, and I'm trying to get her attention, but she wouldn't even look at me, you know, she's talking to this guy the whole time. So then I decided I wanted to call her, but I was terrified to call her. I call her and I hung up like three times before I finally talked to her on the phone. She had no clue who I was. So I, I went into where she worked at the mall and I went past that store probably five times before I finally got up the nerve to go into the store and talk to her. But it was just a, a irrational fear. What finally had to happen was my desire to meet her and talk to her I had to overcome that, that fear that I have. It's an irrational fear, but it was a fear of man that I had. Uh, another example I think of was Soon after I was saved, I was saved in, I don't know, 1996, some, sometime in 96. And I remember my first big church was, my first real church experience was at Calvary Baptist Church in Holland, Michigan. And the pastor there was really, you know, he would um, disciple me. And I knew that soon after I'd, I'd been saved, I knew that I really wanted to, Preach the word. I wanted to be in the ministry, but I didn't really know what it meant. I just thought it was preaching. That's all I wanted to do. But so he says, "Okay, let's um, have you speak at the city mission." You gotta understand, I've never spoke in front of anybody before, and he puts me in the city mission with these guys that were pretty rough, you know. And the first week I'm supposed to go teach, I'm thinking, "Okay, he's going to be there, I have other people from the church." He calls me up. Hey, Joe, I can't make it, but I still need you to go. Like, oh, by myself, I can't go by myself. So I just remember sitting in the car praying, Lord, please help me with this, help me, and getting in there, and um, I survived, I made it, but it was just this intense fear of man. And I think we could all think of stories like that. We, We fear man rather than God. But this fear comes from the bottom line, it comes from not wanting others to have a poor opinion of us, doesn't it? That's the bottom line. It's our pride. We don't want others to think poorly of us, so we have this intense fear. Now, in that book that, that I recommended, When People Are Begging God is Small, Ed Welch gives a summary of, of how and why we fear others, as well as how we overcome the fear of man. It's, it's just a great book. And so to piggyback on that great resource, I picked up The Fear of of or The Joy of Fearing God by Bridges. With all, that, with all that being said, this class, over the next five weeks, it was supposed to be six weeks, but I wasn't here last week, so we're going we're gonna to stuff it all into five weeks. We're going to be looking at several different aspects of the fear of man, and why we fear man, and the fear of God, and how we can cultivate a healthy, good fear of God. So if you look at your, uh, your notes, I've got the class schedule there. This week, week one, we're going to look at an overfear, overview of the fear of man. Next week, we'll do an overview of the fear of God. And then for two weeks there, I'm going to be on vacation. So our interns are going to be teaching. Matt Tomlinson will teach week three, uh, how and why we fear others, more specifically. And then Jordan will teach week four, fearing God and not man, part one. And then when I come back from vacation, I'll close out with Fearing God and Not Man Part 2. So that's that's where we're going. Now, I'm sure, any questions before we move on? Any incidents that you can think of where you, you feared man and now you're just kind of like, you know, thinking uh, that was crazy? So, oh, Bob. Yeah,
2: I'm, uh, by God's providence, I'm chaplain of our American Legion post here right by the uh, river, the boat canoe club. And uh, I always close the prayer in Jesus' name, mm-hmm. okay? And so one time, this guy in our post, he's big with the 5th District, it's called, he's, uh, he's a judge advocate, Makes make sure they do everything by the policies of the American Legion and everything. And I got done, Eric comes up to me, come to know him now, he's a real cool guy, and he says, yeah, it's really neat, you know, I'm glad you're doing this, And but you know, um, I don't know about it i have a friend that's jewish and he's in another post and i'm thinking lord what's he dead have here my my heart he says and if he was here in your clothes in jesus name he might not ever come back again well of course i was raised in the new york metro area i was a wise guy and i'm thinking about i'll just tell him too bad you know i shut my mouth god shut my mouth and i said oh okay thank you and i shared it with my wife i didn't share it with you i think one time but i said Okay, so fast forward this last post meeting, this past Tuesday. I did what I had to do again: chaplain's report and everything. I closed and prayed in Jesus' name, and he comes up after me later. We're talking about what's going on in the post. Says, "Hey, I really appreciate you doing a great job here." Hmm. (laughs) But I was fearful. I said at first when I went home and that that the first time in the car, "Yeah, I don't want to make anyone angry," and you know, I. And then it hit me. And said, "Who are you? Who?"
1: Who you you're trying to, to please? Them, yeah. oh, God. oh that's good.
2: That's—I mean, it's a yeah. simple one, but
1: yeah. No, we've all. I'm sure we can all think of accounts like that where we're we're just almost crippled by the fear of man. And it's because we have too high of a view of ourselves. Honestly, that's the bottom line. So, yeah. it's an irrational fear. It, it causes our mind to think in irrational ways because we're not keeping a, a proper perspective of God and how holy and, and perfect he is, and what he thinks, not what these men think. So, It also includes holding someone in awe, being mastered by people. You see that a lot. Now, worship, Worshiping other people, putting your trust in or needing other people so much. That's all aspects of the fear of man. The fear of man goes by other names today, right? We hear people talk about when you your, your children face peer pressure. It's just they're they're giving into fear, fear of their peers, peer pressure, or we will say it sometimes. I'm such a people pleaser. I struggle with people pleasing. Well, you struggle with a fear of man. You have a fear of man, or the, you'll hear it today called um, in a, a psychological term, codependency. It's a fear of man. That's what it is. So the question is then, who fears man? Well, if we look at First uh, Corinthians ten thirteen. The potential is there for all of us to fear man. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. So you see, fear of man is a universal struggle. It's not limited to position, social status, your personality. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm an A-type personality, so I'm, you know, they, they seem very strong. They still have a fear of man. You can see that. It's so much a part of who we are as humans that someone, if they deny it, you kind of got to check their pulse. <laughs> they say, "I don't, I don't fear man." In some areas, some aspects, it'll manifest itself in some way. They, fe- they fear man. I think of different individuals in my life. No matter uh, who you are, there's still a struggle. You could, you could be someone that seems so confident. I remember uh, my first. Roommate in college. This was a long time ago when I was the first time I was in college. I was probably 19, 20 years old, and my roommate was a guy who was 24, 25, who was already working full time, and he was a he. He ran the whole warehouse. This guy was we called him Superman. He just he dressed. He looked like Clark Kent. I mean, he just was real strong and confident. He was intimidated everybody. Well, I get a call one day that he had committed suicide. And I was just shocked, I couldn't believe it. Well, he had, he worked at the warehouse and he had had people come into the warehouse and steal things and he would would help and put it on the truck, but it was all on video. And so they caught him and they confronted him. And he was so afraid of what his family would think of him and Every, you know, that he went and he he hung himself. Um, It was a fear of man. And this man seemed so strong, so confident, yet he had a fear. So it it didn't matter. It it could be someone who was weak, and that's who we think of. We think of a fear of man, we think of someone who's weak. Or a a rich, someone who's rich, influential. You think of all these movie stars or whatever that they're so rich and influential, but they have a, a, a visceral fear of what people think of them. It's a fear of man could be someone timid or someone very bold. I remember when I was in California, uh, a lot of you probably know this, but I I would go do open air evangelism. And one of my friends, I went to lunch with him one time. You may know him, Ray Comfort. He he told me, he said, Joe, I'm still terrified every time I get up to do this. I'm still terrified. Um, And he's bold, but he had a fear of man. Um, You could be a believer, an unbeliever. They'll have some aspect of a fear of man so why do we fear man that's the next question well we look at the specifics we'll look at the specifics of that more in depth as we go on in this class but the basic reason we fear man is because of of pride it's self-worship as i said we we don't want to be seen as poorly in the eyes of others so that's that's what drives this fear of man We, it's an arrogant self-confidence individual who is clearly prideful in, in the eyes of the world. It's also at the root of uh, insecurity or, or the codependent person. It's same Same fear, just it manifests itself in a different way. Both of these individuals are orienting themselves to others on the basis of how they compare. So whether they're Proud and arrogant, or they have this. This seems like this codependence, this depending on people all the time. It's both, both sides of the fear of man. The self-pitying uh, introvert teenager who's always down and depressed because no one seems to like them. You know, oh, they're always nobody likes me. They're always depressed. I don't have any friends. That's a uh, fear of man. It's it's pride, essentially at the root of it. It's pride. It's every bit as proud as the egotistical and aggressive CEO. Both of those sides. So, so pride and self-worship is at the root of this, but why do people bring out this pride in such a, um, why, does it, why does it bring it out in the form of fear? Well, in his book, When People Are Big and God is Small, Ed Welch breaks it down into three categories. Three categories. He says, because people, we fear people because they can expose and humiliate us They can expose our sin or whatever, and they can humiliate us. Secondly, because they can reject, ridicule. They can reject us and ridicule us. And then thirdly, because they can attack, oppress, and threaten us. So those are the reasons why these things, um, we we fear man so much. These three reasons, uh, they have one thing in common, though. They see people as over and above God. They're not seeing God in the right perspective. And I'm going to keep hammering on that because that's the bottom line. They're seeing people over and above God. They're making these people their priority. Now, the fruit of the fear of man. If you look at your notes there, I listed uh, some fruit. You've got jealousy. Jealousy. If that's the, the case, you're controlled by them. You're controlled by their possessions because you're jealous of them. It's so all you can think about. It's a fear of man. Uh, anger or depression. Other people make you angry or depressed. You'll say. Or maybe they're making you crazy. If so, then they're probably the con- they're controlling you. They're the control center of your life. These people are, are making you crazy. They're making you depressed. They're making you angry. You, if you're saying that, they're not making you anything. Uh, you're choosing to be angry. You're choosing to be depressed. You're choosing to allow these people to control your life because you're putting them higher than God. Another fruit would be para- you're, you're paranoid, feeling, feeling as if you might be exposed as an imposter. Other people may find out that you're not as adept as they thought you were. And you see this a lot of times in in school and college students who they cheat because their fear of man is so strong, they don't want to be shown as an imposter or someone who's maybe not as uh, smart as this other guy. So they're going to cheat so that they, they don't look bad. You see how that drives you to sin more? I remember <laughs> in seminary, in Hebrew class, and we had to take a quiz every week, and You'd always have to trade your quiz with the guy next to you when you got done. And they had to grade it. So you start to figure out, okay, which guy is going to be not the smartest. I don't want to sit by him. But um, because you trade it and they, they grade your quiz and you're grading theirs. You're like, I got 100%. I got like 30%, you know. But, um, yeah, so that temptation can be there. You don't want people to look think, think poorly of you. So the temptation is there to cheat. Um you have to be careful. Uh, also, exalting the opinions of others. Well, that's that's kind of the same thing. Uh, being very needy. You need your spouse to listen to your or respect you. You need them to do this. They, I need them to respect me. I need them to listen to me. You need them to meet some other desire in your life. Now, am I saying you know they you know they, they shouldn't do these things? No, but that's between them and them being obedient to the word of God, not you demanding these things and saying, "I need this. I need this." That's through the fear of man. All right. Any questions? Any comments? There's there's more. We could look at arrogance. Um, you you aggressively assert that you don't need anyone. On the other hand, I'm I don't need anybody. I'm, you know, I'm the self-made man. And that's just as much an evidence of the fear of man than the other timid examples um, shame one place that the fear of man comes out in most of all of us is in the area of of evangelism we dread telling others the gospel for fear that we're gonna look like a fool all right we we don't want to share the gospel with this person who seems so intelligent because what if they make us look like a fool well there again you're putting that person above God God says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for into the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So we're not to be ashamed of the gospel, but if we're thinking uh, that way, if we're thinking and allowing the fear of man to control us, we're pushing that truth that, as Todd said this morning, the truth that we should be filling our minds with, we're pushing that out of our mind and we're acquiescing to the fear of man and we don't do it. We won't share the gospel because of we fear that person more than we fear God. And it comes out so clearly in that area. Because you start to think these things, Well this is this is dumb. I'm gonna look so dumb. What if this and that, you know? Instead of just knowing what the truth is from scripture, not what you feel or what you think, but what the truth is. You need to know the truth, stand on the truth, and speak the truth and fear God. Um, another area is discontent placing your hope and trust in the opinions of others it'll cause you to never be fully satisfied and that you hear about guys all the time i'm just saying this because this is what i i'm, I'm a pastor but guys who go into ministry and they they think one thing they have these they have these high expectations those expectations aren't met so then they they say well i'm burned out and i'm i'm just going to um, you know i'm going to leave the ministry maybe i wasn't really called to this you know, it's, it's, who do they think they are? You know, who do, what do they think? They, they don't deserve anything but hell. So when they're given this ministry to be a pastor and to minister to people, they need to thank the Lord for the opportunity. But um, that can happen. They're discontent. They're placing their, their, they're thinking the grass is always greener, that their expectations aren't being met. And we could say it in any area of life. When we think this job is going to give us the, the most satisfaction and we get there, uh, that's not really it, you know. So we look for something else. Something else is discontent, sin. That is a fruit of the fear of man. Uh, cynicism. You grow cynical as you see the people, they can't bear the weight of your expectations. People can't, they just can't, they can't fulfill your expectations. You see this in marriage. You see this in the workplace. You see this in ministry. You know, you have these expectations. These people don't meet your expectations, so you grow cynical. Uh, bitterness, discontent and cynicism will lead to bitterness. The, the, the deeper fear of man runs its course in your life, the more bitter you're going to become. So what does the Bible say about the fear of man? We'll, we'll look at what the Bible says to, has to say about the subject, and then we'll consider some examples from Scripture. So any comments, any questions, any, anything before we move on, look at what the Bible says about this.
2: Well, you said about the shame. My son was raised in a Christian home, but he's not saved. Now he's an atheist. He's always testing me, always testing me. And he asked a question. He was saying some things, and I, I deep down I knew the answer, but I couldn't formulate it. And in my answer, was because I was afraid of what he would do to me, and I was fearful that I'd say the wrong thing. Hmm. And I, And I said, I don't know. Hmm. I just don't know. And then after that I went away... <coughs> kind of like Peter, saying, Lord, I, I failed. I, I could have said, well, look, I'll get back with you and then come back with, study it and come back, hey, i, I got some answers for you. Mm-hmm. But if, I was so fearful of what he would say to me because he's kind of a smart mouth, know-it-all, and i say, oh. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, that's, that's good. Buzz, did you have a question or a comment? I was
0: just going to say it, it seems like the, the parallel to it is also just... Your, your own opinion of yourself and what you're thinking I mean we've been talking about
2: you know the opinions of others and and where we're placing them relative to god but yeah. really it's
1: it's about us and the, the one example that jumps right to me is a couple of years back
0: i got I was headed to get a haircut, and I got some particularly distressing news as I was going to get this haircut and that took all the fear away because I was so consumed with this bad news I had gotten. Yeah, I was able to witness to this gal that cut my
1: hair Mm, like I never had. That's good. Yeah, you know, there's there's something here, and it it has to do with just self-worship, really. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I would have been happy just knowing that I had some hair to cut. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Bill.
0: Um, As far as suicide goes, there's a lot of things that happens in a person's life Hmm. over time. And just to give you a few examples, divorce, um, sexual molestation, abandonment, all these things add to and compile Hmm. in a person. And then there's always one thing in the end that trips off the idea that I can't cope in this world anymore. Mm, yeah. There's a whole lot behind all of those things yeah. that lead up to a suicide. Mm-hmm. And you, the person who goes through that, again, like you mentioned back there, they're so consumed by their pain, mm. by their anger, by their abandonment, by their rejection, they're so consumed by all of that, they can't see that it may be selfish.
1: Mm, yeah,
0: They can't see that. They don't understand that. But the bottom line is, if a person knows their identity in Christ, Amen. all of these things they can combat. Mm. But if they don't have that as their set of skill set or their tools they're not going to be able to handle those things on their own
1: mm, that's good yeah so that's that's really that's really good and and you know we want to make sure like bill said we don't boil it all down to say well this is the only reason there's a lot you know that, that comes to that that point but and when we counsel people who maybe are struggling uh, we don't always know the whole everything that's going on and you know you need to try to dig a little deeper, and they're not always going to want to just tell you right away. It, it takes a relationship. you got to get in, in, into the Word, and you have to uh, meet with them. And I mean, there's a lot to that, but as Bill said, the bottom line is, um, it's, a, it's a, a, a view of self that's distorted. You help them get outside of that, and through Scripture, you know, and counseling with them, so... Alright, well, let's, um, let's move on looking at some scrip- scriptural references about the fear of man. Um, scripture points out six aspects of the fear of man. First of all, it points out the beginning in Genesis 3. It originated at the fall because uh, before the fall, there was no fear. There was no fear. Adam and Eve had no concerns about their nakedness until after the fall. So the fear of man came about after the fall. It's pretty early on in Genesis 3, but let's begin. It's also short sighted. We see that in Luke 12, 4 through 5. And we've kind of been talking about this. It says this in Luke 12, 4 through 5. I say to you, my friends, not be afraid of those who kill the body, and no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So that's the right perspective. That's the right perspective, who we should be fearing. Fear God, not man. Um, that, I mean, that specifically is is focusing on, you know, living a, a Christian life in a world that's that hates you, that hates Christ, and sharing the gospel, but in any area of life, those principles apply. So it's short-sighted. It's also a destructive trap. 25 it says, "The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted." It can, it can be crippling if you allow yourself to think on those things, to fear man. When it, and it's so irrational. It's an irrational fear. It's opposite of love. 1 John 4:18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. It also minimizes the nature of our position in Christ, so Bill was just talking about. 35 and 38, says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword... Verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's pretty clear. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So, we should fear anything but God. This is the fear of God and the fear of men will overcome through the gospel, too. Romans 8, i continue on. 1 thirty-four says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Think about that. If you're born again, if you're a new Christian in Christ, God is for you. Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge God's elect. God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who also intercedes for us. So, reading that, just gets you excited. If you read that, and you're like, why, why do I fear man? When these truths are right there in Scripture. So, that's what Scripture says about the fear of man. Examples in Scripture of individuals that did fear man. Because even though it's, we're told in Scripture not to fear man, we're told to fear God and to live these holy lives, there's tons of people in Scripture that we see who feared man. And men that you would look at and say, man, this guy was such a, a stalwart of the faith, yet we see examples in Scripture where they feared men. I think that's, that's refreshing. It's encouraging. It's a reminder, too, though, not to think too highly of ourselves. Uh would be Abram? Genesis 12, 10 through 13, we see that Abram, he feared that Pharaoh would kill him because of his wife's beauty. He said, tell him you're my sister. Well, she kind of is my sister, I mean, you know, um, because he feared that he didn't want to be killed. He feared man. He feared Pharaoh. Even though he knew God was in control, he still feared man. Uh, Jacob, Genesis 27, 41 through 44, we see that he flees to Laban because of his fear that Esau would kill him. His brother, Esau. Remember that whole account where he stole the birthright and then his mom said, Laban, he does fear of man. He's fearing Esau. So he, he flees. Moses, this man Moses. Exodus 2, 11 through 17. He flees after killing a man, knowing that what he had done could result in punishment or death. He, he kills this Egyptian, thinking they're going to see him as the deliverer and say, let's, let's, bring, let's pick Moses up. And they don't. They're like, oh, are you are going to kill me too, like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And Moses is terrified, so he takes off. He flees. Fear of man. And we see this other areas with Moses too. He, he, he feared man. Saul, King Saul. First uh, Samuel 18. He responds in jealousy and anger. Uh, it's other sin that dogs people. They they try to deal with it in all these other ways to numb themselves. We live in a psycholo- psych- psychology saturated world, don't we? Yeah. It, it seeks for ways to make people feel better without dealing with the real issue, without dealing with the heart issue. They just want to make them feel better. It can come from the world says the problem is where? Outside. The problem is outside of you. Parents. parents, it's the way you were raised, upbringing environment so that the solution can only be found within you, you know, meditate and whatever. The problem though is outside. It's not you. It's, you got to blame it on somebody else. Scripture, on the other hand, clearly teaches us that the problem is within. As in Ephesians 2, 1, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart of man is, what, good? Deceitfully wicked. Deceitfully wicked. He doesn't mince any words. The heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all else. Who can know it? Romans 3, 10 through 12. There's no one good, no not one. And if you come to the conference next week, You'll hear how depraved we truly are in the first the first session. I get stuck with that one, so people can be mad at me and throw stuff at me.
2: <laughs> I won't be able to make it. I go to see a psychotherapist. Oh, uh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't need that. I'm
0: just yeah. funny. <laughs>
1: but so the, so the, the solution. Oh, Bill, sorry.
0: Go ahead. Well, there is a lot of differences between secular counseling and <clears throat> biblical counseling. Mm. Major differences. And most people who go to counseling is going to get a secular view and they're not going to have the identity of Christ brought up in it. Hmm. But there's a two-part thing that's important. Most people go into psychologists and it's all about talk therapy. Hmm. People need to talk it out, even with counselors and Uh, pastors but what I've noticed is that in therapy most people will not talk about the deep secrets within them Mm. in the dark crevices of their mind of the events and things that happen to their lives and they stay superficial in their counseling Mm -hmm. and they don't bring it to light. Mm which scripture talks about. They yeah. don't bring it to light.
1: And why why don't they bring it to light? Because
0: Well, part of it is <clears throat> sin is darkness. And they want to keep it secluded. Right. And the other part of that, much of the sin can be done by others, so it's sins of other men hmm. or other women that have done it to you, or events in life, and we seek, you know, parts of us seek, to want it in secret,
1: hmm.
0: right. want it in darkness,
1: right? Because we love it. Because
0: a lot of people, because of shame, right, and thinking that it's out of the ordinary, they won't share it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't share it, you don't bring it to light. Yeah. But if you go to secular counselors, they don't have the word and scripture of God to fight it.
1: Yeah. That's good. What
0: you eventually do is you keep pouring out your brokenness on the floor, and the, the psychologists smart he won't pick it up he can sympathize with you
1: mm-hmm.
0: but he won't pick it up and really deal with it in a way of the Christians per- perspective
1: yeah well that's good
0: and,
1: yeah and you see that the bottom line there what you're talking about is they don't get deeper than the superficial because they're again, what is this counselor going to think of me? So still, it's the heart a is a fear of man still. They of so they still won't bring that out, and until you bring that out, like Bill said, and until you can deal with that, and a, a wise biblical counselor can draw that out, and you know, our born Bob is really good at that, drawing people out and getting them to, you know, speak those things, that's the only way you're going to be able to deal with it, is um, to get those deep, the things that you're really dealing with, not the superficial stuff, not I want my wife to change, whatever, you know, it's, it's in the heart, and that needs to be drawn out, so it can be brought, scripture can be brought to bear on that, and so the fear of man has to be um, overcome, and that's only possible for someone who really is born again, so let's move on, we can only have a few minutes here, I just want to finish up, is there any legitimate fear of man? Is there any legitimate fear of man? Yes. Yeah. There is, right? There's a place for the fear of man. It's. Um, what are some examples of that?
3: Well, someone sticks a gun in your face. <laughs>
1: exactly. You know, um, you know, it's, it's healthy for a child to have a healthy fear of their parents, right? They, they should have a healthy fear, respect for their parents. If you've ever been in the, the military, it's good for you to have... Uh, a new recruit to have a healthy fear and a respect for their drill instructor. That's, oh, oh, that's yeah. beneficial for them. Um, so you, you should have a healthy fear for them. It's also possible to have a, a fear of danger, any kind of physical danger. You know, I've heard of uh, accounts where people are facing a grizzly bear in the, in the wilderness. And, you know, there's, it's good to have a healthy fear of that, um, you know, not irrational but you want to be prepared. You want to be ready if you're going to face one of those situations. So uh, fear, fear is, a, is a good thing if it's not distorted or, or sinful. So the desire for the approval of man is not necessarily sinful. It becomes sinful when this desire begins to control your life. That's when it becomes sinful. When we move from just enjoying the approval of others, our parents, spouse, teachers, bosses, etc., to believing that we need that approval and we deserve that. That approval, that's where it becomes sinful, so. Tili. Uh,
3: I think it's uh, good to make a distinction between uh, when is uh, reasonable to fear men. Like for example, in the case of somebody pulls the gun, it depends on the circumstance. If right. you are upholding God's justice and <coughs> somebody puts the gun you know, in your face, then you know it's either, uh, leaving behind, or in the sense of persecution, for example, will you deny faith and therefore, you know, give in to the fear of men, or will you hold on to uh, godliness right. and no matter what comes? So it depends on the circumstance. For example, in the case with Jacob, he did well to flee because by deceit, by deceit, he got his, uh, you know, his brother's blessing. He shouldn't have done that that way. Right. So if he fled, it was a good thing. If he did. Esau probably would have killed him. So it was a wise thing for him to have fled. But if, uh, also for, uh, you know, in the case with the authority, do you not want to fear authority, says Romans 13? Do what is good. But if you do what is evil, right. you, you, you better fear it, because God, you know, has given his authority and does not hold the sword for no reason. Mm-hmm. So if we do evil and our uh, as a result of its uh, face, you know, with the consequences, we do well you know, to fear. But if we do what is good in God's sight, then that's where we must be strong. No matter what, we mm-hmm. must fear, you know, God above anyone else. Right. So it oh. has, has, has to do with the, um, with the circumstances of what we right. have done and what we're doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't agree with you, with Jacob, but still, I see what you, you are saying. The circumstances um in in persecution stuff the circumstances does it can um dictate that fear but all right well um that's pretty much it so next week we will be looking at uh more of an overview of the fear of god and the joy of of fearing god so um any last minute questions before we close
3: one one i noticed that you didn't have on your list but because that was just an abbreviated one is um I see that people really fear the the fear of missing out. Mm. Of not going, I mean, they've got to go to every party, every yes. everything, all the time because that's going to be the big one. And they, you know, or even if they're not invited to places, there's that fear of why wasn't I there? So, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I have that. Why doesn't Bob invite me to his office? You know. <laughs> 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 so, all right. Well, let's pray, and we'll be done. Heavenly Father, thank you for, uh, once again, for this opportunity we have to uh, look at these truths. I pray that you would help each one of us to um, have a a healthy fear of you, uh, that we wouldn't fear man, um, uh, that we would desire to honor and glorify you through um, our lives. Uh, We pray for the rest of this day that it would be a day that's given over to you, that we would look for opportunities to serve you and serve the body. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: You've been listening to a presentation from Maranatha Bible Church in Comstock Park, Michigan. No part of this recording may be edited or distributed without prior written consent. For more information, go to mbcmi.org.